0: To just follow up from this morning, we're looking at the topic, the subject tonight, God knows who we are, and when God knows who we are, and you say, well, of course God knows who we are, He knows us by name, He created us, but that relationship, that personal close relationship with us is what we're looking for, and so God knows that, and so because God knows who we are, He knows that we're the right person in the right place at the right time to do God's will, and so just like a follow up from this morning, we were talking about with Esther. Esther was in the right place at the right time, the right person to do God's will, and so are we. When God calls us to do something, we're the only ones that can do what He's calling us to do, otherwise He'd go call somebody else. But we're that right person in the right place to do God's will, so God knows who we are and He works things and moves things and has us in the right place at the right time all the time. So we go to John chapter 1 tonight as we begin, John chapter 1 verse 43 uh, Jesus is assembling his first disciples. John chapter 1 gets his ministry started, and uh, John the Baptist, the baptizer, said, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes. And he saw him there and he baptized him. And so Jesus began assembling his disciples. And so, verse 43, John chapter 1, verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. And he did. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And so he's already called uh, Andrew and Peter. He's down by the lake and called them. And now he calls Philip, and they begin to all follow him. And then verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. We found the Messiah, the Christ, the one that we've, Heard about for years and years and learned about his children, about the one who's come, the Son of God, the anointed one, Emmanuel, God with us, and he's here. We found him, and he's so excited about it. You can just hear the excitement in his voice. We found the one Moses wrote about. He's here. We're following him. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, he's a real person with a real message, and we're the ones that are going to start following him. And so Philip responded, I'm glad for your excitement. I'm glad you're excited about finding him. But wait a minute, you said he's from Nazareth. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And so apparently Nazareth had quite the reputation for, I don't know, certain kind of people, people that maybe were not to be respected, people were not well-to-do, what not very well thought of. And so it's the kind of place that maybe you shouldn't want it to be from, Or if you were from there, you wanted to move away from there because of the reputation that it had. And so he's thinking, can anything good come from there? Can can the Messiah come out of Nazareth? I mean, it seemed like the Messiah would come from, say, Jerusalem or or some well-known place that we all thought he might would come from, you know, being the capital, Jerusalem. But Nazareth, can anything come from there? And Philip said, hey, just come and see. And so it is with you and I. When we begin to tell people about Jesus, we begin to show them about Jesus, we begin to talk to them and point out Scripture or just have anything to tell people about Jesus, if they're hesitant to believe, we should just simply say, well, just come and see. Meaning, why don't you just come to church? Why don't you just come and worship with me? Why don't you just come and fellowship with me? We had, I don't remember how many men were there this morning, but we had a good crowd of men like we normally do. There were some missing because you know what today was or is? The opening day of bow season, meaning that not yesterday was an opening day, but October first is opening day of bow season for deer. Anybody, uh, that's right. And so anybody, anybody who's shooting deer, wanting to shoot deer with a bow and arrow, was on their deer stand this morning. So we knew that some were going to be there this morning instead of here, but still had a good crowd. And so the point is. How do you get those men here on a typical Sunday morning, one time out of the uh, four times out of the year? You scrambled eggs and you fry eggs and you make biscuits and grits and gravy and uh, uh, quiche. Oh boy. Matt stole the show this morning. Made something called quiche. Is that the right way to say it? I'm not familiar with it, but I am now. I wasn't familiar with it, but I am now. I got one little piece. It was gone. Everybody else got some, and, and it was delicious. But but how do you draw men in? You, you do that. You do something like that, but then you have somebody there to speak and to testify about what God's doing in their life and so on and so on. So it is with worship. So it is coming to church. So it is being here. Just come and see because how else can we say to somebody, well, come and see unless we say come and see here, uh, come and be a part of things, come and have breakfast, come and sing, come and hear the message, come and Pray, come and read scripture. Come, you know, all the things we have going on here, just come and see. Philip, just, I know what you think about Nazareth. We've heard the reputation for years. We understand that, but you just need to come and see. Well, verse 47 says, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching. So he did come and see, didn't he? He did listen to Philip. He didn't say, uh, can anything come out of Nazareth? Just forget it. I'll stay here. So he came with Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching. He said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. Here's a man who's a true Israelite, somebody born of as a Jew, somebody born as a true Israelite, somebody born of faith, somebody seeking God, seeking the Messiah, somebody who wants to know, somebody who's seeking, somebody who's searching, and there's nothing in him false. He's coming on truth. He's searching for truth. He wants to know what's right. And then verse 48, (laughs) how do you know me, Nathaniel asked. We've never met before, have we? How do you know me? Did you hear about me? Did somebody tell you about me? Did we meet somewhere and I just don't remember? Did I see you somewhere? We talked a little bit and you went on and how how do you know me? And so many times we come across somebody like that and we'll, uh, wonder how do you know me? And well, I heard about you. I've known about you. I knew your mama, knew your daddy, or something like that, or knew your brother, or or whoever it was. And so, hey, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, "I tell you how I know you. <laughs> I saw you while you're still under the fig tree before Philip called you, Nathaniel. I, I saw you. You were out under a fig tree one day. Whether it was earlier that day or the day before, I don't know. We don't know. But he saw him under a fig tree." And he knew he was studying Scripture. We're going to see a little bit more about that in a little bit. But he knew he had seen him, and so he knew him there. But see, the, the point is, Jesus knows their names anyway, whether we're under a fig tree or an apple tree or a plum tree or a pine tree. It doesn't matter. Jesus still knows who we are, and he knows their name. And so he said, "He just wanted to make a point. I, I saw you under the fig tree, and that's how I know you. And Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, which means teacher, Rabbi, teacher, you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. To have that kind of information about somebody like me, you must be who Philip said you are, the son of God, the king of Israel, Rabbi, teacher. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. That gave you evidence that I know your name, I know who you are, I know where you're from, I know all about you because I saw you under the fig tree and I knew you. I didn't introduce myself to you, I just saw you there. I knew it was you. But here's the point you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. But you know what, Nathaniel? You're going to see greater things than that. You think that's pretty incredible, you think that's pretty knowledgeable, knowledgeable of me, you think that's fascinating and understandable for me to know who you are and I didn't even come talk to you, that I knew you were Nathaniel under a fig tree, you're going to see a whole lot more things than that that I can do with you around me and do through you just like with you and I. We may see Jesus doing a whole lot of work in our life from the past. We may see Jesus in a light that we've never seen him before, though, because when we get saved and we're born again, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, we're going to see things we never thought we'd see God do in our lives and around us and through us, just like with Nathaniel. Then he added, I'll tell you the truth, Nathaniel, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Which brings us to this. When he was sitting under the fig tree, that was a term they would use a lot of times, that they would ask somebody what they'd been doing, that morning or that evening or something, and if they were to say, I was sitting under a fig tree, what they meant by the saying was, I've been studying Scripture. I've been reading Scripture. So it wasn't just a physical, real fig tree, even though it was when Jesus saw him under it, but it also had a connotation, a, a, a saying of the day, what you've been doing sitting under a fig tree, oh, it meant you were studying Scripture, You took Scripture with you and you unrolled it, And you may not have literally been under a fig tree. You might have been in the backyard. You might have been in your house. You might have been somewhere else. But figuratively, you were studying Scripture. So when Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, you're going to see heaven open, the angels sending and descending uh, on the Son of Man, could he have been reading under a fig tree literally and studying the Scripture literally about Jacob in uh, Genesis chapter 28? When Jacob was going back home from uh, to meet up with his family again, uh, said he stopped along the way, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God ascending and descending on it there above it stood the Lord, and he said, "I am the Lord, the God of your Father Abraham, the God and the God of Isaac, and he went on through the story that you may be familiar with, and so he named the place Bethel which means God with us. And Jesus was saying that, hey, maybe you were reading that scripture and now I'm telling you, you're going to see heaven open up, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, meaning himself, meaning he was going to see what Jacob had seen there in the wilderness at a place called Bethel, but he's going to see it different because he's going to see the Lord Jesus doing the things that Jacob saw. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, Jesus persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. And so he's talking to Nathaniel, and he's talking to the Philip and Peter and Andrew, and uh, he had been healing uh, there on the Sabbath. And so Jesus began to perse- persecute him, the, the leaders did. And he said, You know what? My father's at work every single day. Whether it's the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, the day after the Sabbath, my father's always at work. And you know what? I am too. He said, I'm always working. I'm doing the Father's work, and I'm doing what God wants me to do every single day of my life. You want to call it the Sabbath and persecute me because I'm doing something wrong that you say I'm doing something wrong on the Sabbath? Go right ahead. But said, My Father's always at work, and I'm always at work. And so God's always at work around us. Uh, We can look around and see God at work doing these things, doing this and that, see him working in family or friends or situations or circumstances. But not only that, God's always at work within us. We always want to look around and notice what God's doing around us. We want to be alert, as Scripture says. We want to see what he's doing so that when he's doing something around us, he invites us to jump in there and go to work with him. And so we do because we're attentive to what he's doing. We see what he's doing. Paying attention to it. Oh, I see you working over here, God. Oh, I'm the right person at the right time, the right place to do your will. Okay, I'll join you in that, whatever that is. Oh, you're working over here. I see something you're doing over here. Oh, I'm the right person, the right place, the right time to do your will. Okay, I'll jump in there with you. And that's just how God works. It's how he moves. But not only that, he always works within us too. We don't have to look around and see God doing something around us. We just have to look within ourselves and see what he's doing within us. And God's always at work within us, isn't he? Don't, don't you see that? Don't you notice that within your own self, even though you look around and say, God's here, God's there? What about within us too? He worked within Nathaniel, worked within Philip, Andrew, Peter, and the rest, just like he does with us. So God's always working within us. He's always doing something within us, changing us, molding us, shaping us into the image of Christ. But he's also bringing us into a closer walk with him as he's moving in us, as he's working in us. He's bringing in that closer walk because we're always denying self, taking up our cross daily and following him. So He's walking ahead of us, leading us to where he wants us to go. And he's always saying, come closer. Come on closer. I don't want to leave you behind. Don't you get misplaced or, or lost along the trip here somewhere. Stay close to me. And so as he's working within us, he's drawing us closer to him. Why? So we can see what he's doing around us. So he has to do work within, a, within us first, draws us closer to himself, and then as we get closer to him, we become more attentive and more noticeable about what's going on around us. Our eyes begin to change. We begin to see things differently than we did because we were doing that closer walk with him. We have that closer fellowship with him and God's doing a work within us. And Now we say, you know, I've been noticing something over here. But I haven't noticed it like I notice it now. As I get closer to God, I realize, look what God's doing there. Why, why didn't I see that earlier? And as I get closer to God and we see something going on over here, over here, and we've been noticing it's been happening that way for a while, and why didn't I see that that's God doing something there, and he's inviting me to come join him? I didn't see it until now. Why now? Because He's doing a work within us because he knows our name. So we can see what God is doing, therefore causing us to be the right person in the right place at the right time to do His will. And so that's just how God works. He, he starts by knowing our name. I know who you are. Yes, God, you knew, do know Him. You created me and you made me. But not only that, you asked me to follow you and come close to you, just like with Philip and Nathaniel and Peter and Andrew and the rest. And so as we do that, draw closer to Him, we notice what He's doing around us because He's doing something within us, I see it now, God. That's what you want me to get involved in here and there. Do this, we become that right person in the right place at the right time, just to do God's will. And so, I wanted to leave us with Psalm 139 tonight. I don't have it on the screen because it's just so many verses here. I won't read all of them, so I won't be like uh, Douglas's cousin Jerry and dump the whole load. I'll just get part of the verses, but. Just go back and read it later. It's just a good verse, a good chapter to read at night or something before you're going to bed or just to start the morning with. Or Psalm 139. David is writing here and says, "Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand on me. Such knowledge (laughs) is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there too. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were right I to count them all, they would all outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O Lord. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. So, God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I did go ahead and read the whole chapter. And so God is just saying, I know you. I know you real well because I made you. I put you together in your mother's womb. And so as a result of that, I've got something I want you to do. And I just ask you to just be aware of what I'm doing, God says. Not in, in you first. And then around you, after I do something within you. This afternoon, Cheryl and I were in the what we call the study, or the, or as my daddy would have put it, the den, uh, the place where I do all the studying and preparation and all. And I was, she was seated sitting in a chair there, and I was in the safe getting a gun out because we have just. Coons overriding the place. I mean, just overrunning the place and and something's got to be done about them. And so I was in the safe getting the gun out. She's sitting there by the safe. We were just kind of talking. As I got the gun out, another gun went off, meaning it shot. Meaning as I'm getting one out, I hit the other gun and hit the trigger on it and safety was off and it shot right up through the top of the safe. And the bullets went into the ceiling. It was a shotgun. And it shot a hole about that big around through the top of the safe and the pellets went into the ceiling right there. And of course you you know, are hearing the gunshot, of course. Well she's sitting there and, you know, I'm I'm got my arm in the there and, you know, for a few seconds like what really happened here. And as I took the gun on out that I had in my hand, I, I realized it wasn't that gun, but then I began to realize what happened. The uh the bolt of the gun I'm taking out hit the trigger of the one that was next to it. And for some reason, somehow the safety was off as that bolt hit the trigger and it shot right through it. And she said, had it been turned a little bit this way, the bullet would have come out the side of it, hit her and killed her. Had the bullet, had the gun been leaning toward me, it would have come out the front and hit me and killed me. But as it did, it went straight through the top of the safe. It's a big old hole in the top of the safe along with the pellets up in the ceiling, <laughs> through the ceiling. So I went out, so after kind of, you know, catch a breath and <laughs> we, we talk about it and, you know, after you kind of get your thoughts together. I said, I need to go out and look at the roof. It might have blown on through the roof. I don't know. So look at the roof and, you know, I can't see anything up there. Go up in the attic, can't see anything in there because as it goes through the top of the ceiling there, there's layers of foam insulation, and so by the time it went through the safe and through the ceiling you know the insulation apparently stopped it and slowed it down and and that was the end of where it went it didn't go any higher but then i just i just read psalm 139 before all that happened and just kind of getting my thoughts ready for tonight god you've searched me and you know me (laughs) You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. You hem me in behind and before. You laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And the rest of the chapter says the same thing about this event today. And so just to let you know that anything can happen at any moment, at any time. And you never know what's going to happen next. And that's why, again, we have to always be prepared to go and meet Jesus because we don't know when we're going. And it just means being ready for that day, whenever that day is, and to know that God's always working within us so that He can draw us closer to Him and we can see what He's doing around us and we can work with Him in those areas in which He wants us to work. So be aware this week of God working in you so that God can work around you and you see what He's doing And he joined him in his work.